Happy Easter. All of the gospel writers, of course, write about Easter, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is kind of the Super Bowl for Christians. And Jesus won the championship. I was struck by Luke's account this year of Easter, so we are going to be reading from Luke chapter 23 and 24. Now there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man, who had not consented to their decision and action. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea. And he himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. Probably paid Pilate for the body. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen cloth, and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock one in which no one had yet been laid. It was preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfume. But they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. On the first day of the week, the first day of the week is Sunday, not Monday. The first day of the week is Resurrection Day. It's a glorious day. It's not Monday. Amen? On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you. While he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women. Because their words, interesting, their words, They were reciting the words of Christ, right? The angels just quoted what Christ had told them. Luke writes that their words, perhaps Jesus' words, seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, 
however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. This is the word of the Lord. I like the description of Joseph of Arimathea. Luke describes him as a good and upright man. Joseph of Arimathea reminds me of another good and upright man. Some of you have seen this man preaching here. Perhaps he has led one of your connect groups. He is my father, the Reverend Chester Penza. My father is a good and upright man. Yet before he was a good and upright man, he was an unruly boy. Little Chet was known to disregard and disobey his mother. And I know no one in here struggles with such issues. One winter afternoon, Chet told his mother, I'm going to play on the ice. To which his mother responded, that's a bad idea. You're going to get hurt. Guess where Chet ran out to play? On the ice. And not surprisingly, he came back a little early from his escapade on the ice, and he came back with his tail firmly tucked between his legs and his two front teeth in his hand. Of course, mom had pity. She cleaned him up. And then his mother uttered four words that you never want to hear from your mother. In fact, four words that you never want to hear from your spouse or any family member for that matter. She looked him in the eye and said, I told you so. Four words that are a sure sign of defeat. But what if I told you on the first Easter Sunday that those four words, I told you so, he told you so, Jesus told you so, were not a sure sign of defeat, but rather a confirmation of hope, life, and victory. Luke chapter 23 tells us about Jesus' first female followers, the very first women to ever follow Jesus. And you know you're a follower of Jesus when you're willing to leave your comfort zone, when you're willing to leave your family and your home to follow Jesus. And this is precisely the type of faith that the first female followers had in Christ Jesus. Luke tells us that they left their families and their homes in the northern part of the country, the region of Galilee, and they followed Jesus all the way down to Jerusalem. They arrived in Jerusalem with Jesus on Palm Sunday. They welcomed Jesus into the holy city by waving their palm branches and shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. The next Thursday, Jesus was arrested. On Good Friday, Jesus 
was beaten and carried the cross outside the city gates to a place called Calvary. Luke tells us that these same women followed Jesus to Calvary. They followed him in the good times and the bad times. True followers of the Lord. And while they, these women stood on the hill called Calvary, they did exactly what you and I would have done. They wept. They wailed. With broken hearts, bloodshot eyes from crying, these women continued to do what they had done from Galilee. They followed Jesus as Joseph of Arimathea took his body to the grave. These women were willing to follow Jesus even in death. Luke tells us in Luke chapter 33, verses 55 through 56, that on that same Friday, when Joseph of Arimathea took down Jesus' body, wrapped it in linen cloth and placed it in the tomb, the women followed and they saw how the body had been laid in the tomb. Their names were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James and the other women who prepared spices and perfume. On Saturday, they observed the Sabbath. And on Easter morning, early in the morning, they set out for the tomb with approximately upwards of 100 pounds of spices and perfumes to embalm the body of Jesus Christ. Why would they take spices and perfumes to complete the burial of Jesus Christ. The reason is these women expected exactly what you would have expected on the first Easter Sunday. They expected Jesus to be dead. Human logic told them dead people stay dead. Their experiences told them that death is final, that their loved one is gone. And I believe that they weren't simply grieving the loss of a loved one. They weren't simply grieving the loss of their teacher, their healer, a man who treated them with dignity and honor as God's creation and made in God's image. They were grieving the loss of a dream. When Jesus died, their hope died. And that's a dangerous place to be. When Jesus died, I believe that they wanted to give up, that they were hurting deeply. Their hope for healing, their hope for a new life, their hope for a better life, a hope for life after this life was dead. They were grieving the loss of Jesus and they were grieving the loss of a dream, the loss of hope. And that morning on their way to the tomb in, in grief, in darkness, Mark tells us that they didn't know how they would roll away the stone. They didn't have a plan for rolling away the stone, but they just had to go and try to honor Jesus one last time. Luke tells us when they arrived at the tomb that the stone had already been rolled away. They enter the tomb and the tomb is empty. Jesus' body is not there. In John, we learn that Mary Magdalene assumed that they had stolen the corpse, that grave robbers had come and they, stole, they had stolen Jesus' corpse because people in that day were buried with valuables. 
The NIV version of the Bible that we just read doesn't do justice to what the women were going through. It says that they wondered what had happened. Other versions of the Bible capture it more clearly what they were going through. They were greatly perplexed. They were unnerved in the emptiness, completely baffled and puzzled. In the empty tomb, their heads were spinning. They had questions, not answers. Uncertainty, not certainty. Fear, not faith. And they encounter death the way you and I have often encountered death. Perplexed and even hopeless. Let me ask you this. Through the year 2020, even now, can you relate to the feeling of being perplexed and unnerved? Do you understand? Can, can you empathize with what it means to feel hopeless? You know why we're blessed in perplexity and hopelessness? Because our God will not leave us there. Because in the midst of, of emptiness, in the midst of fear, in the midst of confusion, in the midst of senselessness, our God will not leave us there. And God comes to these women, these followers who had experienced the darkness, these followers who had experienced doubt, these followers who perhaps even had given up hope and began to grieve, were in a season of grieving. But God meets them in that season and God will not leave them and he will not leave us in that season. God sends two messengers to these women. Who are they that God is mindful of them? Who are they that God would speak to them in the midst of their emptiness? As God is going to speak to you today in the midst of perplexity and hopelessness and emptiness. God sends his messengers to them. They appear as men. The Bible says that you ought to be generous and hospitable because you may be entertaining angels and not people. Luke describes them as men, but they were dazzling and white, and the women bowed down as a sign of respect. And so whether they were men or angels, it's God speaking through them. And they ask a question, and you can count on God to ask a question, right? You're full of questions this morning. You've been full of questions this year asking why, how long. And God asks a question. He sends his messengers to ask them. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Why are you grieving? There's no reason to grieve. Why are you hopeless? There's no reason to be hopeless. Why did you carry the spices and the perfume, the, the perfumes to perform a burial when there's no burial to be performed? There's no corpse to treat. He says, why are you looking for the living among the dead? You see the not-so-subtle revelation that God is giving to them and giving to us this morning? The not-so-subtle Word of God to renew their spirits and their hope in the Lord? Your Lord is not dead. He's living. Your King is not dead. He's alive. Your Healer is not dead. He's living. Your Savior, who chose not to save Himself, 
is living and he's still saving. Your Redeemer lives. Your God lives. He's not dead. He's alive. And because he's alive, because the Son of God lives, because the Son of God who became a Son of Man to save the sons and daughters of men is alive, you can live. You can face tomorrow. You can go forward in hope. You can have hope for a new life. You can have hope for a better life. You can have hope today, and you can carry the hope of the resurrection forever because he's alive. Your God is living. Good news. Death could not hold him down. Good news. The grave could not hold him down. On Easter Sunday, death was swallowed in victory by Jesus Christ, the Lord and King. So we don't look for the dead. We worship the living. From the angels, we hear our refrain, our Easter refrain, our, our chorus, our song. They say, he has risen. He has risen. That's what happened. It's not that he didn't die on Good Friday. It's not that you didn't see him laid in the tomb on Good Friday. But your God is alive because he is risen. And then they say this. Don't take our word for it. Don't, don't just take the word of the men who are brightly shining in white. No, don't do that. Recall, remember what he told you. Remember how he told you in Galilee. Remember how he told you on the road to Jerusalem. Remember how he told you during Holy Week. Remember how he told you clearly, emphatically, and repeatedly that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners, where he would be crucified, but on the third day he would rise Again, remember how he told you. Four words, four words that are not to be dreaded. Four words that are not a sign of defeat, but a sign of victory. He told you so. Jesus told you so. I told you so. Easter Sunday is Jesus's I told you so moment. And I wish I could tell you this morning that it would be enough for you today to be filled with the hope of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. I wish that I could tell you that, hey, you came to church, you were touched by God, you have hope, you needed hope, you were desperate for hope, and God filled you with hope through his truth. Brothers, sisters, it's not enough to remember it. I'll tell you, it's not even enough for you to believe it. What God is calling us to do is what the women did on the first Easter Sunday. They ran out of that empty tomb and they shared the message of resurrection. Women who had carried from Galilee supplies to care for Jesus' needs. Women in Jerusalem who went to Calvary and carried with them their weeping and their wailing. Women who on Easter Sunday in the morning carried with them perfumes and spices 
Now, in that moment, when the angels had spoken to Jesus, carried something far more important and valuable than anything they had ever carried in their entire lives. In fact, the most valuable and important message in all of human history. It was the message of resurrection, and they were willing to share it. And here's where we are today. If you share it, you won't be persecuted. Jesus' first followers, the, the apostles, they were persecuted, right? They were killed. But the question I have for you today is, are you willing to look stupid? Are you willing to look someone in the eye, someone who God has put in your life to share a message of resurrection and life in hope in a world that is desperate for such words and such truth? Are you willing from your lips to share the message of resurrection? The women were. They were. And we know that the apostles thought it was nonsense. But you know what happened? As they began to share the message of Jesus Christ, it wasn't simply an empty message. They experienced the presence of the risen Christ. And the people that they shared it with, yeah, they didn't believe it at first. But those people who heard the message began to experience the presence of the risen Christ. And you know what happened, what God did for those women? And do you know what happened for what God did for the, those people who had heard the message of resurrection? Do you know what God did for the world? He resurrected those women, he resurrected the hearers of their message, and he resurrected a world in need of resurrection. So today, let's remember and rejoice in the resurrection. And let us be like the first women followers of Christ and share that message of resurrection, even in an unbelieving world. And as we do, May we experience the risen Christ and his resurrection. And may the world never be the same. As we do, we await for the day that Jesus shares those four words with us as we enter the kingdom of God. I told you so. Amen.